Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al Zane and Brian. Welcome, everybody, to the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast, now partnered with Odyssey. I am Brian Rennick. I am joined by the birthday boy himself, Zane Nackvi. Uh, as you can see, our uh, beautifully bald brother, Al Sacco, is not with us today. He has some family uh, obligations. And so Zane and I are going to hold it down and uh, and talk about this this week six matchup against the Falcons. But first and most importantly, Zane, how was your birthday yesterday? Uh, fantastic. So, uh, I'm not a big, Hey, it's my birthday guy, but you know, I did, I did tell Jamie Foxx who was kicked out of Cardi B's birthday party that he could enter my birthday party anytime. <laughs> right. So, but it was fantastic. I, uh, you know, you ever had a tomahawk steak before? I have not. So I order them. There's a steakhouse here, uh, as we go on the side to our show, there's a steakhouse here on the peninsula, um, in the Bay area. And, uh, I, I went there, went there last night with my family and I ordered the tomahawk steak. And it was comically large. Like <laughs> my wife orders filet mignon. Like my wife's steak looked like a little baby compared to this thing. Right. Like literally this was several steaks. And I was like passing out meat to like everybody at the table and stuff. Right. And I still have some left over. So guess who's, who's eating steak tonight? This guy. That guy. That steak is a two day steak. It's at least That's a two day steak. It it's like a, a like a four person <laughs> two day steak. It was un- unreal. So Yes. Definitely recommend it. Uh, Aria Steakhouse on in, in Palo Alto is where I went. So uh, there you thanks go. for the give, give me a free uh, tomahawk on the house. Yeah, Aria. Let's give me some business here. So. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and sponsor this uh, 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. We're down. Exactly. <laughs> free steak for life. Let's go. Uh, so, Zane, our 49ers are at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. Stayed on the East Coast. This is, what, the fourth, fifth season yes. in a row that they, fourth, uh, that they have the stayed – yeah. Yeah. That they have stayed out, uh, out East. It seems to have done very well for them. And so mm-hmm. they are traveling to Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons, uh, this Sunday, 10 a.m. kickoff. But we got to talk about the big story or the storylines, if you will, coming out of the Greenbrier. And that is injuries. And it seems like it's something that we have to talk about. Almost every week and almost every week, every season. Uh, I don't know. You know, we said it last episode. I'm not sure if uh, Levi Stadium is built on some sort of cursed ground or if the gods of Candlestick Point are, uh, you know, getting revenge against the team for leaving, uh, leaving the city. But, man, it is uh, 
the the injury report is long and it has some pretty important names on it. Uh, namely, on along the defensive line, Nick Bosa, who still hasn't practiced as of today. We are recording this Thursday, October 13th. He did not practice today. The good news was Samson Ebukam did. Uh, Eric Armstead didn't travel with the team. Javon Kinlaw also did not practice. And so we are looking at a fairly thin defensive line heading into a game against a team that runs the ball really, really well. So what what do you think uh, we have to look for uh, when it comes to these defensive line injuries? So even with Ebukam practicing today with the with the Achilles, I think that he may be on a pitch count, especially with that type of injury and recovery. It could it could significantly get worse, especially on on turf. And I think that for the other the other guys, Arm says on IR, we know he, we know he's not going to play. But yeah, with Bosa and and Kinlaw, with them, I think there's some hesitancy to even have them like practice or play on turf at all, given the sure. team's track record on that surface. So. Maybe I would say we were kind of talking about this before the show, like those guys coming back, I would probably predict for them to come back number one in a home game because we play on grass, obviously. Right. And probably mm-hmm. after the bias of an extra week to, to heal up. Cause you said that, I believe you said that um, off the air that they're playing the chargers the first week after the bye here in Santa yeah. Clara. So uh, I would expect them to, to come back at that point uh, and have a full defensive line. So that means that the next essentially two games plus the bye, obviously you're playing with the patchwork defensive line. Three games before the bye. You've got Atlanta. They play Kansas City at home, and then they travel to Levi South and face those L.A. Rams one more time before the bye. Yeah, uh, no, no I, was talking, again, I was talking about after this week. Oh, my bad. Sorry, yeah. yeah after, uh, we, know, we know they're not playing this week, right? So Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think that like with when it comes to that, D'Amico Ryan's going to have to find new ways to bring pressure. Like, he doesn't blitz a lot. They did blitz quite a bit more against Carolina, and I don't know if that was a precursor of things to come from him knowing that he has a defensive line that's kind of patchwork, but they're not going to be able to get the same pressure on the quarterback that they have been when obviously the best pass rusher in the game, in my opinion, him and Michael Parsons is, is not on the field, right? Nick, yeah. when Nick Bosa is not on the field, it changes everything. So 100%. that to me is going to be like, well, what's D'Amico Ryan's counter? Because Atlanta, they do run the ball well. They're not a very good pass blocking offensive line. So there is that, but how is defense going to generate pressure? And, what are they going to do at corner opposite Mooney? Because they have not made a decision on that. There's been no announcement on who's going to play and what's going to happen over there. So I don't know if it's a game time decision over there or, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think their options are over there? Um, I, I feel like when things like this happen, right, where you know that a player isn't going to play going in like after Sunday's game, right? Mosley was injured. So obviously we knew someone is going to has, have to start opposite that. Uh, it feels like every time that has happened, we don't find out that answer until game time. And I think right. that's just kind of football coach gaming, right? Just making the other team kind of plan for for whatever. You know, and we were talking off air, the, the candidates to replace Mosley, you know, really you're looking at, I, I don't think Lenore is going to be uh, one of the options. I think they would probably prefer to keep him uh, in in that nickel or that slot corner role, uh, just because he's been incredibly successful thus far this season at that, and you really you don't want to weaken two positions by moving somebody you know from where they're playing well into a position where they may not be playing well. And I don't know if 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 you remember Zane, but 
last season, right? Diamador Lenore was very much like Sam Womack, kind of the talk mm-hmm. of camp, right? This rookie corner, uh, yeah, fifth round yeah. pick uh, yeah. out of Oregon, right? That was Lenore last season. Mm-hmm. Came on like gangbusters in the preseason. All they could talk about was how good he was. And after getting burned for a long touchdown against the Eagles in week two, we mm-hmm. almost didn't hear from Lenore again that season. And it was mm-hmm. it, and it just feels like history is repeating itself a little bit with Womack. But I think part of it is that Lenore is not, I mean, he's not a bad athlete at the position. I think mm-hmm. he runs in the high four fours, uh, but I don't know that he has the athleticism to stick outside, right? Which is why I think they moved him inside and he's a solid tackler, which is par for the course at that, at that nickel position for the 49ers. And he doesn't necessarily get exposed for his lack of top end speed, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Womack, Womack played outside at Toledo. Uh, That's where he made his name. That's where he became one of the better coverage players in the nation at Toledo and Womack runs in the high four threes. And so I I think personally, I, I think Womack might get the first crack at it, mainly because the other options are the Barnacle, Dante Johnson, and mm-hmm. and they may they may say, Hey, you know what? We would prefer his veteran savvy out there than 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 a rookie. Um, because whoever it is, they're gonna get picked on because mm-hmm. now Ward, right? Ward and Mosley were playing really well together, which meant you got to you got to pick your poison and 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 teams were doing that, right? They were throwing against Ward. That's why he leads the lead league in pass breakups because Mosley was straps on the other side as well. So mm-hmm. now that you've got a hole there, I imagine teams are going to try and pick on that on that side of the ball. So who do you want there? Do you want uh, a veteran who may not have again the physical skill set of your young rookie cornerback, but he has the veteran savvy to to you know to stick out there and 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 probably not get terribly exposed, or do you go with the with the kid that you know showed a lot of promise in college, has the athleticism to be out there, uh, but if he gets picked on right and 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 gives up a big play or, or gives up a, a, a bunch of yardage, maybe a touchdown or two. Does that, does that kill his confidence? And, and maybe that was part of the issue last year with Lenore. Maybe that play really destroyed his confidence. And so the other option is Ambry Thomas, who many thought, Hey, you know, it, it could be Ward Thomas on the outside and, and Mosley on the inside going into this season, mm-hmm. uh, just because of the way that Ambry Thomas finished the, the 2021 campaign. Uh, especially with that game ceiling interception in week 18 against the Rams. I, I don't know. I, have you seen Amber Thomas's picture on a milk carton? Cause I haven't seen him uh, this season at all. I don't even know that I've seen him on the sidelines. Like he has just disappeared. So I'm not sure that's one of the options, but if it were you, if you were D'Amico Ryan's, I mean, what, what do you think you would do? I mean, it has to be, to me, it has to be Womack because you're not going to move Lenore out of the slot. He's been so successful there. You, you don't want to mess with that, right? And, and I think yeah. that if you're bringing somebody, and Womack has been playing, like, you know, he, he'll play special teams and he'll eventually get in and reps with with, uh, with the defense, with the regular base defense. But I feel more comfortable with a guy like Sam Womack who's already been playing rather than like, 
getting in Ambry Thomas, who I don't think has even been active for all of the games, and mm-hmm. uh, and or Dante Johnson, who is is kind of like a wild card at this point in his career. Like you don't, you know, he's 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 the barnacle, right? Like he's not a spectacular. He may turn in a, a good game for you here and there, but you need a you need a permanent sort of solution, not permanent, but well for the rest of the season sort of solution. So yeah, whether it's biding your time until Jason Verrett's ready. And even I want to remind everybody, even when Jason Brett is healthy, he's not going to come back full speed. Like he's not coming back for the entire duration of the game for the defense, right? Like they're going to ease him back in. He'll be on a pitch count, especially coming off of a major knee injury. Like you're not going to, you're not going to have him go, you know, full bore the entire time. So there is going to be a little bit of platoon work there. Now the question to me is like, who do you platoon him with? And to me, I'm most comfortable with Sam Womack. Like you said, he played there in college. He's a natural outside corner. He's got speed to keep up with some of the speedier receivers. And you know that he's going to get picked on. Now, when talking in the context of this week, Marcus Mar- Mariota has been totally mediocre so far this year, right? Like he has four touchdowns, four interceptions. Like he has a passer rating of, of 78. He hasn't thrown for, he's throwing for less than 200 yards a game, completing less than 60% of his passes. So he's been, he has not been good. Like they have not been getting Kyle Pitts the ball. Kyle Pitts only has 10 catches for 150 yards so far this season. So their biggest threat is, is Drake London right now who has 22 catches. So I think that in that sense, you almost make Mariota beat you, which means that you're going to get action for those corners. They'll, if they can sell out to stop the run, that's a, that's how Atlanta's been winning, right? The two games that they won, they've run the ball really well. And, you know, you can argue against, against Tampa Bay. They, they probably should have won too, if they didn't get a, a phantom roughing the passer call, oh which is one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that when it comes to this this week, uh, they're going to have to make Marcus Mariota beat them, and I think they're comfortable with that because he has not been good this year. The only reservation that I have is if you ask, like, a rookie corner like Sam Omak to cover for more than four seconds, is he going to be able to cover? Because your pass rush is not going to be able to be what it's like when you have Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead on that field at the same time. No doubt. The pass rush obviously will not be the same, especially if Bosa's not on the field. Uh, the one thing, though, that that the 49ers have that is probably the envy of most of the rest of the teams in the NFL is just absolutely insane depth along mm-hmm. that defensive line. Uh, somebody tweeted out, I think it was yesterday, uh, the, the starting defensive line for practice was – uh, Charles Amenahu and Kerry Hyder on the outside, and then Kevin Givens and Hassan Ridgeway on the inside. And I tweeted out that that is the starting defensive line for a lot of teams in the NFL, right? And yeah. that is backups to backups for the 49ers, mm-hmm. which is impressive. But, you know, we, we were talking off air briefly before we, before we went live. People, let, let's, let's put to bed, let's put to rest this idea that Jason Verrett this week is going to possibly be the guy that mans it outside. You made a great point, Zane. This game is on turf. I don't think they're going to allow Jason Verrett to even suit up this week. Why? Mm-hmm. Why put somebody who's recovering from a, a, a torn ACL that he suffered on turf to now play on turf, right? Their next three games, I think we said earlier, they're home against the Chiefs next week. They are on the road against the Rams the following week. Then there is a bye, and then they are home against the Chargers. I think if Jason Verrett sees any action at all, I think you're probably looking at that Chargers game as really the mm-hmm. first. Um, I don't think, 
you know, his practice window is open and they're going to have to make a decision on him before that Chargers game. I believe the decision they have to make will be after it's a 21 day window, right? Correct. And it started and they started that window last Monday, I believe. So they have until, yeah, yeah, they have until the, the, it was at the the Monday of the bye week, right. To make a decision. So Mm -hmm. I think at that point they'll make that decision. I I would assume it will be that, that they will activate him. I haven't Mm -hmm. heard anything about any hiccups for him, which is nice. Uh, but I don't think, again, it, we're not looking at any field time for him until at least that that Chargers game. So it really is the the three the three options of Johnson, Womack and and Lenore or not Lenore and uh, Thomas. And like you, I, I do think Womack is going to get the first shot. But like you said, this Atlanta and, and why not give him a shot? Because this Atlanta pass offense is not good. It's not mm-hmm. really very good at all. Uh, Atlanta's rush DVOA, they are second in the league, only behind Cleveland, uh, but their passing DVOA is 18th, which tells you that, again, they are elite at running the ball and they are less than average at passing the ball. And and a lot of that has to do with the guy that lines up under center, Marcus Mariota. Um, But... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I do think even if Bosa is out, I just have a lot of faith in this line to still get a significant amount of pressure. Do I right. think it will be at the same level? Probably not, right? Nick Bosa was, you know, he was, he was, uh, as of two weeks ago, I believe his, uh, pass rush win rate, win rate was, uh, at, hovering around 25%. Um, yeah. or his pressure rate was 25%, which meant that one out of every four rushes, he's pressuring the quarterback. You're going to miss that no matter what. And I, I, my hope is with the gauntlet that is coming up for this team, right? Home to the Chiefs, at the Rams, home to the Chargers. They, they really need Nick Bosa in those games. And so it would make no sense to me to see him see the field at all against Atlanta. I think they still have enough with Ebukam, with Drake Jackson, with Kamiko Torre, with Carrie Hyder with Charles Amenahu, like they still, they still have a murderer's row of edge talent that can step in and step up uh, against this team. And you may even see uh, more of big ends on each side because they're less worried about pass rush and more worried about, uh, you know, stopping the run. So you mm-hmm. may see more Charles Amenahu, Carrie Hyder combos or Charles Amenahu and Drake Jackson combos, right? Bigger guys mm-hmm. on the ends, um, although Drake Jackson is a is an athletic freak, that guy yeah. is yeah. 270 pounds, and he does like you know full layouts, and you know mm-hmm. I think he can do a standing backflip. Like the dude is the dude is oozing athleticism, uh, mm-hmm. but he is still a bigger guy. And so if you've got those two on the end, along with Ridgeway and Givens inside, um, you know I, th- I think they have a good shot of of stopping the run against Atlanta. And and again, if they if if Atlanta is forced to pass. I, I think they can still get a, a good amount of pressure, but I think you're right. I think D'Amico will dial up some stuff 
that, you know, we probably haven't seen before just to, you know, just to, to get the kind of pressure that, that you're used to seeing so that you can help a secondary that is no longer at full health uh, with Mosley down now. And can we talk about how good of a signing Hassan Ridgeway has been or how good of a pickup that's been? He's been fantastic. Like it just that yeah. doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but no. he's been eating up blocks. He's been eating up double teams. He's been, he's been able to free up some of the other guys behind him. Like the plays that Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw have been able to make and, and Hafanga to some extent as well, because there's blockers tied up on the offensive line. And Hassan Ridgeway in particular, stepping in for Javon Kinlaw, who's injured again, I mean, he's done, he's done an amazing job. And I think that that's one of the more underrated signings that they've had this year. Uh, obviously, the most the most underrated being Mooney and how he's performed. He leads the league in pass breakups. We mentioned that before. And, and I think that teams will start going away from him because why, why would you keep testing that when you have most likely a rookie on the other side? So yeah. we'll see, man. We'll see. Like, Womack is going to be tested. and the Or the whoever's Boston's, over there. Or whoever's over there. They're going to be tested. Whether yeah. it's Womack, Amber Thomas, Dante Johnson – they'll be tested. So they don't throw the ball well, right? We, you know, they've been running the ball well, but you know, they're in terms of passing yards, they're 30th in the league in passing right. yards. Yeah. And the other flip side of that is that they also don't defend the pass very well either. They're 29th in pass defense. So I think that flipping this over to the other side, actually, well, one more thing about the defense, uh, mm. the Kim law thing reminded me of something. So I put out a stat earlier today on Twitter that said that, uh, Javon Kinlaw in his career has played in 21 games. He so Ooh. far in his career has missed 17 games, right? If you do the math, that's 17 games it's missed. And your first round pick missing as many games as he's played is a huge, huge. I mean, I I feel bad because you know injuries happen to guys and you can't control that. But I think that. You have a comment, Derek Brown. I mean, I would love if Derek Brown would, would be a Niner. I think that's a real underrated signing if they could pick him up. And, and if they shout have out. the. Okay. I was say shout out to Peter Lucas. Peter, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> yeah, so I think that, that is a, that's an issue that they're going to sort out. He's got a fifth-year option coming up that they're going to either pick up or not after the, after next season. So what do you do with that? Because you don't know what you have in Javon Kinlaw. When he's, when he's played – He's you've seen him make strides like the beginning of the season. He was playing very, very well. The game before he got hurt, I felt like was his best game ever as, as a pro. He was constantly in the backfield that the Bears game in the first game of the season. He was he was very, very disruptive to Justin Fields. And it just hurts when your number one D tackle where you're counting on cannot stay healthy. So I think that that Hassan Ridgeway pickup is that much more important in that sense. So a hundred percent. Yeah. I, you know, and, and it's interesting because what Ridgeway is this year is what I think they wanted out of, um, and I'm blanking on the guy's name. They signed him last year. He Morris. was with the Panthers. No, uh, no, Mo Hurst was going to be great. And he's just, again, had freak injuries. No, it was, he didn't even oh, make it out of God. camp. Um, but like I said, he was, he yeah, was, yeah. uh, he was on the Panthers. I can't remember his name. A D tackle they signed to essentially do, what it is that Ridgeway is doing now, which is just be a run stuffer, right? Just be clog the lanes, take up more than one blocker, right? Do all the gritty, dirty things that nobody notices or nobody cares about, but are tantamount to your defensive line and your linebackers playing the way that, um, you know, playing the way that, that they do. Um, and so, yeah, Ridgeway has been. Zach Kerr. 
Zach. Thank Kerr. you, Zach Kerr. Thank you. Yes, yeah. um, he was. He was yeah. number two. In the, he was the second highest rated player on the defense via PFF that year. The year before the right. Signed right. Just, yeah, with the Panthers. When he came here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't even make the team out of out of camp. Yeah. Um, somebody said uh, feeling on Armstead, maybe heading to the IR. I believe they already did place Eric Armstead on the IR, mm-hmm. um, and so this will be the second week of his IR stint, and so. Uh, he won't be eligible to be back until uh, that that game against the Chargers. And I imagine he will. Armstead's issue is plantar fasciitis, which mm. I uh, I am a Sac area native. I still live in the Sacramento area. There is a store here called the Good Feet Store. And at one point they had Peja Stoyakovich as a, as a spokesperson. And all I can remember from those commercials is, the way that Peja Stoyakovic said plantar fasciitis was like plantar fasciitis. It was like, ah, <laughs> uh, maybe get, you know, maybe not have Peja as, as the guy saying that, <laughs> but anyway. Um, and that's one, that's an injury that you just really is just, he's just going to have to manage. And, you know, unlike Kinlaw prior to this year, Armstead has been a, an iron man for this team. And I think the other thing that is so difficult about the Kinlaw situation, it's twofold for me. One, uh, oh, the gentleman that asked about Armstead said he had, uh, he's had plantar fasciitis uh, in both feet and paid a lot of money to the Good Feet store and it worked. Hey, hey good, feet, go. good feet. Good feet. Web Zone, know how to podcast. Let's go. <laughs> um, Oh, uh, the great David Bonilla told us that Armstead is not on the IR. Okay, so okay, when, uh, when the boss yeah. when the boss comes and tells you, then that's that right. means that, that that's messed true, up. right? Okay. Whether whether it's true or not, the boss comes in and all right. That's right. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the 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 thing that's as a fan, right? When it comes to Kinlaw, it's twofold for me. One, the you see you see the potential, right? And like mm-hmm. you talked about, he was so disruptive in the bears game. And then uh, also in that Broncos game, he was Mm -hmm. collapsing the pocket, right? He's so disruptive and he's so talented and he just cannot stay on the field. And the Mm -hmm. other thing, the flip side of that is they got rid of a guy who does stay on the field and was productive when he was on the field in DeForest Buckner. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's hard not to look at it and go, they chose Kinlaw over Buckner. It's, it's more complicated than that. I understand that, right? Because it was, it it was essentially a choice between Buckner or Armstead and Ward, right? What they signed Armstead and Jimmy Ward for is what it would have cost to sign Buckner. And so they made a financial decision. I get it. Like, I understand that. I, I, and I don't necessarily fault them for it because Jimmy Ward has been excellent. And Eric Armstead has been Great. I think Eric Armstead absolutely has lived up to that that contract. But it's hard not to think that Kinlaw is a direct replacement of DeForest Buckner, an Iron Man at the D tackle position, and and Kinlaw cannot stay on the field. And so, like you said, you know, his fifth year option, they're gonna have to make that decision after this season. And I don't know. I I don't know that they will. I don't think that they should. It doesn't mean that he can't, you know, Jimmy Ward had, had a reputation for being injury prone and, and whatnot. And, and before this season, right. He had gone, I think three, three straight seasons without 
a, a significant injury. But I just remember he's had such bad luck with broken bones. And again, he broke another hand. It's like, what, what is going on? Like he has a broken arm one time, like just a weird, just freak injuries for that guy. But, but yeah, I think you're right. Ridgeway has been a huge underrated signing. I don't think there's been a signing, a free agent signing, uh, that the 49ers had this offseason that hasn't paid huge dividends so far this season. They've had a great, great offseason, including the decision that really angered me, which was bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo. Looks like a stroke of genius now, right? So mm-hmm. great job for the front office. And now the question becomes, does all this depth that they've put together, can it, can it, amount to wins and and we're going to see starting starting this week so we talked about the defensive side of the ball let's look at the offensive side also to your point actually before moving on oh, go ahead before you talked about DeForest Buckner right so I have his I have his uh, stats up here in terms of games played so games played 2016 as a rookie 15 2017 16 18 16 19 16 2020 his first year in Indy played 15 games 2021 last year played all 17 games 2022 this year he's played all five games so, so he has missed, missed two games, two games in his entire career. So I, I, I get it. I totally understand, you know, because the best ability is availability, right. In, in sports. So, and, and when you're a young player, Kim Law was very much like a raw sort of prospect as well when they drafted him. And there was a lot of, it was one of those like high ceiling, high ceiling, low floor sorts, sorts of picks when they, when they drafted him and they knew that he had knee issues, but they're hoping he can overcome them. He has not been able to overcome them. And it's almost similar to a Trey Lance situation where when you're a young player that's raw, you need reps. And if you yeah. can't stay on the field for those reps, it is going to hinder your game and your development. And in the NFL where literally it's next man up, I hate to be cliche, it's next man up, you have a situation where Hassan Ridgeway stepped up in Javon Kinlaw's absence for a fraction of what Javon Kinlaw would get paid long-term. And being able to give you similar production out of that role or, you know, like a Mohurst last year, right? Something like that, where you've got guys that are reliable that cost a fraction of the, the money that it does to get a, sign a first-round pick. It's a very, very kind of precarious situation then if you are Javon mm-hmm. Kinlaw. So I'm not saying he should be cut. I'm not saying he's a bust. All I'm saying is that I hope that he can get better so he can see the field so that he can develop because this defense, when Javon Kinlaw is playing at his peak, it's better. is – better exactly yeah. it is much better so we'll see about that so anyways that you're talking about offense yeah. i'll say and to your point to end that kevin givens undrafted free agent right so yes again mm-hmm. you know and 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 kevin givens has been great so you know chris kudos and he's 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 done an amazing job Remember arden key arden key had a fantastic year and he you know oh, he yeah. banked off of that and mm-hmm. the, like he's just been able to do wonders with that defensive line so it's almost like kyle is with running backs like that's how like the defensive line is right. Like, and I yeah. think that DJ, DJ cashed in, right? Like we, I don't blame him for that. Yeah. He was, I agree. Uh, we have a comment years. that said, wish we could have kept DJ. I couldn't agree more. Wish we could have as well, but DJ earned his bag and yep. is playing really well in Denver. So kudos mm-hmm. to DJ. Love that guy. Uh, yep. Love DJ Jones. But one thing that they did do this, this season, right? Their sixth round pick, which nobody talks about because he was injured when they drafted him. Kalia Davis out of, uh, I believe it's UCF, I think is where he went. Uh, they drafted him in the sixth round this year. Uh, very much a DJ Jones clone in terms of size, motor, all of that. And he's just kind of chilling, rehabbing from a knee injury that he got at the end of his college career. Uh, I'll be excited to see uh, what he looks like 
um, coming into uh, next season. But defense, which is fun to talk about because the 49ers have the best defense in the NFL Mm-hmm. period, right? And I don't think there's any argument. I don't think you can get any argument from anybody. I think the only other team that could could state claim to that is is the Bills. Mm-hmm. Uh and and we'll it'll be interesting to see the Bills play the Chiefs this week and then the Chiefs play the 49ers next week. So the Chiefs have quite the tall task ahead of them. Uh but let's look at the offensive side of the ball. Uh like you said Zane, the Falcons defense the, the the Falcons have been a surprising team to me. Uh, they don't they haven't stacked a ton of wins. Um, you know they are what they are two and three. two and two and three, two and three. yeah. Um, with the victories coming against the Seahawks and the um, the Lions, the I believe, Browns. or the Browns. That's right. Um, and so. They've been surprising because their offense has been decent. They actually have the uh, 10th ranked offense by DVOA, which is higher than the 49ers, Mm -hmm. but um, their defense hasn't been great. And that's kind of similar to the the Lions, right? Not to the same extent where the Lions are like, we're just not going to play defense and just only focus on offense. Mm -hmm. Um, It's – but – as as uh, again, Peter says on, on a comment here, they're all run, no pass, and that's a hundred percent right. The Falcons' offense yeah. is all run, no pass, but the Falcons' defense has been decent against the run, not against the pass. They have AJ Terrell, who I think is is a superstar at at the corner position. But if there's one thing we know about Kyle Shanahan, it's his ability to scheme away from a singular uh, stellar coverage player. Right, um, mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey does very little against the 49ers um, right. because Kyle Shanahan knows how to scheme around that. So mm-hmm. to me, I think we're going to see a, a game plan probably fairly similar to what we saw uh, against the um, against the Panthers, but even more than that against the Rams, right? Against mm-hmm. the Rams, the 49ers came out and threw the ball a lot. I did not expect that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're going to see here against Atlanta. And here's my thing. I think the key to this game is to get up early, right? Mm -hmm. We talked last episode about the 49ers lack of scoring in the first half, right? Against Mm -hmm. the, against the Panthers and a game that they won 37 to 15, the offense scored 10 points in the first half, Mm -hmm. right? The team scored 17 because of Mosley's pick six, but the offense scored 10 points. I need the offense to come out and put up points on the board. I would love to see them in the first half put up 14, 17, 20 points in the first half. I think if they can do that and you force Atlanta to pass, to catch up, you're 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 cooking with gas at that point. So, yeah. you know, I think I think I think Kyle Shanahan will look to exploit the the Atlanta pass defense. And the thing about Atlanta is they don't have a ton of pass rush. Their best pass rusher is Grady Jarrett, who is their D tackle. Mm-hmm. And he's at great. He's incredible. Uh, if you remember that, if you remember that game against the Falcons in 2019, uh, Grady Jarrett on the defensive side of the ball really took that game over. And then yeah. Julio Jones on the offensive side took that game over. And really mm-hmm. it was those two players you could argue that spurred that victory for the Falcons against the 49ers in 2019. 
Grady Jarrett, if if you can if you can figure out a way to to keep Grady Jarrett from collapsing the pocket from the inside, and and whether that be double teams, whether that be getting you know moving the pocket right, just kind of getting away from that interior pressure, they don't have a whole lot on the edges. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's going to be a tough game for for the tackles right for McGlinchey or for um, Jalen Moore, who acquitted himself pretty nicely. Uh, against Carolina a couple times. There were times he got beat, but that's mm-hmm. to be expected. Brian Burns is awesome. But I think if they can come out and they can throw the ball on Atlanta and get up early, I think that is the recipe for victory. Yeah, and I think that – so one one thing that I do want to caution people with is that – well, first of all, I don't think that this is going to be as easy as the Carolina game. I think this will be a, a measurable sort of level harder than, than the yeah. Carolina game was. More so because of I think that Atlanta's a better quality opponent, and I also think that the injury specifically along the defensive line, which we've already touched on, that that's going to make a difference. But let me throw some stats at you right now. So their defense in the five games this year, they have allowed two hundred uh, passing yards. They have allowed two hundred thirty four to James Winston, two hundred seventy two to Matt Stafford, three hundred eight to Geno Smith, two hundred twenty six to Jacoby Brissett in the in the Cleveland Browns, and then three hundred fifty one to Tom Brady. So they're getting gashed through the air. And I think to your point, you're going to see something similar where they are throwing often and they're using those short little bubble screens and short little quick hitters as a running game to be able Mm -hmm. to get that yardage on the outside. And one sort of caution that I do have uh, as well is that, you know, Jimmy tends to struggle with pressure up the middle, right? Like that was, that was the issue during the Super Bowl that they lost is that there was pressure up Mm -hmm. the middle and he couldn't. uh, And, and to that, to that uh, point, that was the issue in, in January against the Rams. Like there was pressure coming up the middle and the Niners offense, their offensive line was losing those battles and he couldn't throw. Like he just couldn't find anybody open. You have time. So that is the one caution I have with Grady Jarrett in the middle. And I hope that they can kind of mitigate that by getting the ball out of Jimmy's hands. And I think you'll see a similar game plan to what we've seen the last kind of couple of weeks. And and mind you, the, the, the Falcons only have only lost their three games by a total of, uh, let's see, 1.4 points. Um, and the uh, the six points, 11 points, right? Like they've lost three mm-hmm. games by 11 points total. So they're in every game that they play. But I think that the quality of opponent that they've played is is something different than what they're seeing this week, right? With the exception of maybe Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, but they're just not right. They don't look right. Their offense is not really firing. So with all due respect to the, the, the five teams that they played, I feel like the Niners are by far the best team that they've seen on their schedule. So in a lot of ways for them, it's a, it's a measuring stick game as well, right? But the way that the Niners are going to win this game, to me, is, is going to be to throw the ball. I think that the Falcons will gear up to stop the run. They don't have a ton of playmakers on defense. Remember AJ Terrell just got obliterated by Debo last year when they played here? <laughs> Do you remember that play? Debo, Debo yeah. took, a, he took an inside handoff and basically – was it a handoff or was it a short throw? I don't remember, but it was near the goal line. And just went like helmet to helmet, helmet Terrell ran through his face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that that is my enduring yeah. image of AJ Terrell right now, right? So, but yeah, really, they they're gonna have to take care of the ball. And I think that if they can do that, if Jimmy plays a clean game, they will win, right? I can almost guarantee that. If he plays a clean game, like he did in Carolina, very similar to how he did in against the Rams for for the most part, I think that they will be able to win handily. Will they be able to do that? We'll see because. Every week you're getting – you don't know what Jimmy you're getting, right? Are you getting 
you know, efficient and accurate Jimmy, or are you going to get like the, oh my God throw? So <laughs> we've talked about his interception percentage. It's down below 1%, right? It's his, it's his career best so far. It's a small sample yeah. size. It's five games, yeah. but it's the same sample size that we had when he first started in those five games, right? When he didn't know yeah. the offense. Yeah. So if you want to look at it that way, we look at that five games when he first started as kind of like the standard of like, oh, 2017 Jimmy, right? That's That's what we want. I feel like this is probably, in terms of taking care of the ball, the best that he's ever played in terms of the small stretch of games. For sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has, um, you know, his his career interception percentage is, um, I think, close to 3%, uh, which yeah. is not great um, in terms of a starting quarterback in the NFL. And, and like I said, uh, his touchdown to interception ratio prior to the season was 1.6 to 1 which again is not not where you want to be in terms of you know if you're going to throw interceptions fine like Matthew Stafford right Matthew Stafford is going to throw interceptions but Matthew Stafford also threw for 41 touchdowns last year mm-hmm. right so if you can make up for for the interceptions with with passing touchdowns then then great now granted they play in a completely different offense right Sean McVay has no problem uh, opening it up and and throwing the ball because it, it seems like he has forgotten how to coach a run game, right? Mm-hmm. Because they haven't had a run game in LA in since Todd Gurley was healthy and good, um, which yeah. has been a minute. So, um, and, and the 49ers don't run a pass happy offense. They run a, mm-hmm. they run a run first offense, which is why like I've seen on the timeline, uh, this week, like the 49, I'd like to see the 49ers make a play for OBJ. Oh, that's, it was pro football talk, right? So Mike Florio, who, you know, Mike Florio is Mike Florio when it comes to the 49ers. But, <laughs> and I was like, how does this take make any sense, right? The 49ers are a run first offense and they already have playmakers like George Kittle, Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk, and then to a smaller extent, Juwan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, and Danny Gray they already have a hard enough time getting the ball to their playmakers in the passing offense already. Now you're going to add OBJ to that. And what is that going to do, right? That, that doesn't help this offense. This offense isn't hurting for playmakers. This offense is simply hurting for better execution and it's starting to come. And, and I think, I think we would do well as a fan base and as content creators and anybody who follows this team, to go into every season and think to yourself, our offense is not going to look great for the first four to six weeks, right? As they work out mm-hmm. the kinks, especially because they just don't do it in the, in the preseason. Like Kyle Shanahan's mm-hmm. like, I'm not showing anything. I'm not showing any of my cards in the mm-hmm. preseason. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do right. So they take these first four weeks, lean on their defense, start to get right. And, and, and then they start to take off. And so, you know, you look at, you look at this team and and where they are, right? They scored 10 points against the Bears. They scored 27 against the Seahawks, 11 against the Broncos, and then 24 and 37, right? So they are starting to pick up a little bit of steam, right? And Jimmy is starting to find a rhythm. The offensive line is starting to find a little bit more of a rhythm. You know, they still don't have Trent Williams, right? Which means that, Maybe this offense isn't going to click on all cylinders just yet until they get that line exactly where they want it with Trent Williams on the left side, McGlinchey on the right. Banks has still done a great job at, at left guard. I think that's his that's his spot. And then they continue to kind of work Brunskill in 
back and forth with Burford. I think, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to figure that stuff out. So it'll be interesting to see if Burford gets the start or if Brunskill does, especially against a, a vet like Grady Jarrett. Um, because I think, again, like you said, that is the matchup that we need to look for is Grady Jarrett against the interior offensive line of the 49ers. What are they going to do to, to keep him from, from wrecking the game? Because single-handedly he can, we've seen it. We saw it in 2019. We even saw it. I mean, he's the one that, that got the, the most egregious poor pass or uh quarterback. Uh, what was it? Uh, roughing the passer penalty. That was yeah. Grady Jarrett, right? Uh, who was making his presence known at the end of that game. That's what he does. So you've got to figure out a way to make sure that he doesn't. And again, I think the, I think the key is to get out early and, and score early. And so that is my hope for this offense that we see them put up, hey, let's do 14 points, right? Let's do two touchdowns in the first half, right? Or I would love to see, like I said, 17 to 20. Um, I, I do think that they will score uh, in the 20s in this game. I would love to see the majority of that come in the first half so that, like I said, they can really force the Atlanta offense to, to, to have to pass, to catch up, at which point you have – they've played right into your hands, right? As a, as a defense, because your pass defense is elite. But here's the other thing. The 49ers run defense is elite right now. They are, they are allowing three yards a carry and they are first in rush DVOA uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm actually really interested to see what that looks like, especially with some, with, with the off the defensive line ailing a little bit, because the, the reason at least in my opinion, that they are where they are is because of Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Uh, Greenlaw leads the league in tackles. Uh, Fred, they, I think I said this last episode, Warner and Greenlaw are the third and fourth ranked uh, linebackers uh, from PFF right now, right? So, and then not only that, but their corners, and now again, Mosley is out, their corners tackle really well. Traverius mm-hmm. Ward hasn't missed a tackle yet this season. Talano Hufunga is a uh, is a a tackling machine, right? Um, and so that that rush defense, a lot of it has to do with with their linebackers and their secondary being able to tackle as well. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like uh, as they as they go against uh, arguably the the their biggest test when it comes to running the football is this Fal- Falcons team who has a, a a distinct commitment to running the ball. And I'll be interested to see if, if they can, you know, if, if they can stop it. Yeah. So uh, also a quick stat before we give our predictions for the game and get out of here. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. Is the only player in the NFL or the first player in the NFL this year to um, run, have 30, 30 yard runs uh, in three consecutive weeks um, uh, out of any running back in the NFL. So first player to accomplish that this season. Uh, obviously there's going to be more, but, uh, that's super encouraging through five weeks, three weeks. He's had Absolutely. a run of three yards or more. So that's one thing to watch. So predictions, um, I guess I'll go first. So I think that, like you said, they'll be in the twenties. I think that the Niners will be able to score on them and pass the ball on them. It again, really depends on if they can hang on to the ball and not have silly turnovers. Like the, the Kittle turnover was just so silly last week and it, and it kind of killed a good drive. And I think that yeah, and you're not going to get that from him. It's only a second career fumble, right? So you're just not going to see that from a guy like Kittle. So I'm not really worried about that. But that being said, I think that the Niners should be able to win this game. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than the, than the Panthers game was. 
Like that game was really never in doubt aside from that when the missed field goal happened and they immediately had, had the pick six from, from uh, E-Man. So I think that this game will be a little bit closer. Um, and I'm going to say the Niners will, you know, they'll win. I'll say 27, uh, 17. All right. I, I also think that they're going to win this game. The, the one thing that I am worried about, this does smell a little bit like a trap game, right? As you look ahead yeah. to the schedule and you go Chiefs, Rams, Chargers, right? Those are three big games. And so just like in 2019, uh, this, this smells and feels a little bit like a trap game. But I think part of why they like to stay on the East Coast is it keeps them locked in. And so I think they are locked in right now. I don't think they're looking ahead uh, at all. And again, this Atlanta team is, is, is plucky, uh, but they've got very little in the, in, in the way of a, of a solid passing offense. And so they scored 15 against the Bucks. I think the 49ers defense is better than the Bucks defense, even with some of these injuries. And so I'm going to say that the 49ers win this game handily 27 to 13 is my prediction. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, but we go ahead. I was going to say, well, I mean, I think that at least for, I'm, I'm sure I'll uh, speak for Al when he says that they think they're going to win too. So I'll, I'll get Al's prediction as well. Yes. I won't give a score. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say they're going to win too. I'm confident in that as well. Yeah. Anything, anything right, else well, before we get out of here, man? No. We'll be back um, either Sunday night or, or Monday to recap this game. And uh, hopefully Al will be with us then. Uh, Zane, uh, any more celebrations for the birthday planned for this weekend? Just going to eat cake like it's and birthday week, so calories don't count. And steak. Cake and steak. There we go. <laughs> it's a cake and steak weekend for Zane. It is. I love it. All right. Well, for uh, Zane Nackley, I am Brian Rennick. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you later. Peace.